Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Joe with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. Hey, people appreciate the baseball calmness, the baseball ambience. It's fantastic. That won't be the last time we mix in baseball ambience. In fact, it's back. There it is, yes. It is really, really good. Megan tweets in, this has been so wonderful to have in the background of the show. Thank you for all these calming sounds to fill my heart with joy. But also, I'm so sad. Baseball. Chad tries to ruin the moment on Twitter by tweeting, the wave is going around the stadium. Everybody clap your hands. That's the one thing I'm good on. I'm good on that. I don't need, that's the one thing. I don't mind the clap your hands. I don't like the uh, the wave, though. We can do away with the wave. I hate them all. Yeah, the noise is great. Both both clap your hands. Really? me up a little bit. I hate it. A little pick me up. Yeah. Um, As we uh, try to track down our football-loving friend, Sage Rosenfels, here real quick. To what extent do you guys think like businesses are being affected right now? And you're seeing what six point six million people this week filed for unemployment, and obviously the economy is going in the direction that it is for right now. Like long term, the country seems to always pull out of these ruts, but in the short term, to what extent do you guys think the twins are going to be affected in 2021 by all of this? I mean, Royce, you brought this up on our show yeah, last it's week. A, that it's a really, really good point. Um, so here, here's my thing. And th- this is not just the poll ads. This is people who own sports teams are su- are incredibly successful bi- business people. But for the most part, unless right now you're in, let's say, the medical supply business or something, you are taking a bath not only from your sports team, but your businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, I think in 2021, my guess is the Yankees are fine. The Dodgers are fine. That's my guess. But if you're the Twins and you uh, paid Josh Donaldson and have signed a bunch of guys, not necessarily to huge contracts, but good contracts, and those contracts are close to being up or up, I don't see how teams, and I won't just say the Twins because that's not fair, lump them in with the clubs that they probably belong with, which is, what, 5-10? to Mm -hmm. I don't see how those teams just come back next year and say, let's roll the pay or, or let's run the payroll back and we're absolutely fine. Your your in ballpark revenues are coming down. I don't know what the insurance on our on uh, regional sports network TV deals are, but if you're not playing games, you're probably not being paid. So so to me, this is not a discussion about the poll ads are cheap. This is a discussion about really a slew of teams in all sports that are going to probably have to cut back. 
Because the people that own those teams, as you've said a thousand times before, Phil, they don't own those teams to purposely take baths. Yeah. And they're taking baths right now, both in their sport and but in their businesses. Unless, unless we're talking worst-case scenario here, like depression worst-case scenario, the, the value of these teams is going to continue to go up. And, yes, it's more an extreme case this season than it is in past because you don't have revenue coming in. But like you just pointed out, Judd, there are insurance policies on the possibility for revenue not coming in or revenue lost, whatever the case might be. I I don't know that the long-term effect really should be that much. Like I said, unless we're talking depression bad as far as the economic impact of this thing. I don't know, I don't know that we're that it should affect payrolls for the Minnesota Twins long term. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I never budgeted that amount of money. I have a hard enough time budgeting my own money, which isn't much, but I I don't know. On the outside looking in, I it doesn't seem to me that it should affect that much. Yeah. So Mackie and Jeb with Rami here, and the value of the team is going to keep going up ultimately. I think it's going to have. I think it's going to have an impact in the short term in terms of how much money they're going to be able to spend on players next year. And so I think with that, knowing that they're going to have to get rid of some veteran players for next year, I think it makes them less likely to trade from their prospect group this year, Absolutely. which could decrease their chances to win a World Series if the season starts at all. In, in all of sports right now, give me what you guys think are, let's say, the five most impacted teams short-term. Because, yeah, in five years, who knows? This could be, we could be all absolutely fine. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, if you look at baseball, football, basketball, hockey, I can identify my top team right now that, that was having a great year and has probably just sunk the Bucks. Now, the Bucks might still be good, but the Bucks were having a special year. Mm-hmm. That's gone. But I think in my top five right now as things fall, which means we're probably playing baseball if we're lucky in July. If we're not, we're not playing baseball. I'd put the Twins in my five. Yeah, I mean, I agree. A lot of their key players, Josh Johnson, older. Nelson Cruz, older, right? Jacob Arizzi is only under contract for one year. And, and Cruz is starter. going to lose a year, potentially. He's yeah. never getting back. Yeah. So, like, he's not he's not going to say, yeah, you know, I got um, I couldn't play in my age 39 into 40 season, so what I'm going to do to replace that is play my age 44 to 45 season. Right. Sports don't work like that. There's a lot more meat on that bone. We should dive back into that conversation because I just think, like, the impact on teams and the Twins and then the discussion of, hey, if it's billionaire owners and there's no salary cap, could you stand to lose a little money for a couple of years to keep teams afloat with the same roster? But our football-loving friend Sage Rosenfels from Purple Daily on Mondays and Wednesdays here on Score North is on the line. And Sage, I hope you don't mind a little baseball ambience in the background here. This is supposed to be Twins' home opening day, and so we are just looping baseball stadium ambience all throughout our show today. So don't be distracted. Well, I tell you what, uh, as soon as I came on, I could smell the hot dogs burning. Uh, That was (laughs) nice. And, And I could hear... Uh, somebody belching from a nice cold that was, that was me, whatever, my apologies whatever the beer choice is uh, <laughs> uh, at Target Field um, and, and in Twins fashion, open day fashion uh, it might snow tonight or tomorrow right, or something So, uh, cold front coming funny. through here So, um, but uh, enjoying the day enjoying the, the sounds and uh, it, does, it is nice to have a little, uh, a little music in the background or a little sound in the background you can feel like you're actually at a ball game Yeah. so I mean there's a lot of things we could probably get into with you, and the draft is on the horizon here. But uh, on-air production meeting, there's—I would just love Sage Rosenfels 
to give us, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but give us like two or three choose your own adventure things that we can learn about inside football stuff. Like stuff like, you know, like, like one example could be what a quarterback has to do at the line of scrimmage to make sure that the play goes off correctly and or identifying the defense. Like, what are three things that we can choose from and have you take us to school and explain okay. inner workings of football on? Yeah, so let's get into, I think, the most complex of all the at-the-line-of-scrimmage offenses I was in where the quarterback really had to do a lot of things. When I was in New York behind Eli Manning and those Manning brothers, both of them, finagled with the line a lot, audible a lot, uh, were given that sort of capacity at a very young age uh, from NFL coaches to sort of take command of an offense. And I was, uh, you know, this, that double-A gap that you, you see a lot uh, with the with the Vikings defense. Well, he would do this protection. It was called 80 key. And Eli would walk up there, and he'd change the, the mic uh, a declaration to the weak side guy. He'd go 80 key, 80 key, put his back Football. to the, 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 the tight of the tight end, put the back to the side of the tight end, the, the running back is going to go strong to weak, uh, and the line's going to squeeze on the inside. The weakness is the tight end on the right-hand side, which is why you put the running back there so he can chip on his way out. Then you have to audible to only three people in the passing game at this point. So AD key, you had to make that weak side linebacker your mic, and bring that guard down, bring that tackle down. Uh, we should be good to go. Wow, that you got to play the football. Come on! Three more times. Football! Football. Gentlemen, fire away. What what inside football things do you want to know about? Rami, you want to go next? When quarterbacks talk about going through their reads, Sage, do we oversimplify that when I think, like, okay, the receiver all the way on the left is the first read, and the next guy over to the right is the second, and so on and so forth? Or is it a little bit more complicated than that when you're talking about going through your reads? Yeah, you know, they're really, I would say, two types of main reads that people sort of talk about. Uh, what do we call a peer progression, which means it's a it's a full on, no matter what the coverage that their defense the defense is playing, you are going from one to two to three to four, so you're working your way and and you know basically seeing who's open. It's a peer progression. You also have a a, a a progression where at the snap of the football, there are some plays that are good versus single high safety defenses when there's a free safety right in the middle, and there's some that are better versus two high style safety defense. There's also plays that are better versus man than versus zone. And so there's other plays where at the snap of the ball, let's say to the right I have a, a single safety type of play, and to the left I have a safety type of play. Uh, and that's a different type of read because then you're actually going off of the rock and roll of, of the safeties and, and things like that. So, uh, And then you have what you call a pure progression with an option. Like, oh, it's a pure progression, but if you get one-on-one coverage on, on your X receiver, you're going to take a shot and throw a go ball to him because we like that matchup. Football. All right. How can the person in the press box at home watching the game with a beer or sitting in the stands, is there a way for the common folk to identify the mic? He's the middle of the three. Very, very easy. He's the middle of the three. Uh, uh, if, you, know, you have your Sam to the strong side, usually to the tight end. Uh, you have your Mike, which is next to him, and then you have your Will linebacker. And so there's, sometimes, there's, sometimes there's four guys up. 
and that's where you have to decide should the mic go to the left or the mic go to the right because you have to decide you know basically you know create tell where the line goes you know and the thing is when you're when you're calling out the mic it's not where the line is going it's where everyone's starting and then the line from there that goes okay this is a mic play or this might be a will play or whatever and then they sort of make their calls accordingly but you have to sort of set uh the defense uh and put everyone on the same page right off the bat football that was some football yeah all right, hold on. Before we get back you, to asking Sage, do you guys know where Omaha, Omaha came from? By the way, no. Hold on, hold that thought. <laughs> oh, hold that ahead. thought. Before we get back into more football questions, let's let's pod the baseball and got candy over here. here. Yeah. Got candy. Thank you. I'll take some of that. The pink stuff. It's my favorite. Uh, do you like the pink stuff? The organ playing. I like the pink stuff. Yeah. A little base hit there. That one just got through. Nice. Right up the middle. The shortstop's a little slow. He doesn't have great range. You're right, Sam. Nah. He's a gritty player, though, okay? Sure glove. When he gets his hands on it. Little Mark Belanger. Oh, Mark Belanger. <laughs> Larry, Mark. Well, it's important to be, it's important to be strong play. up the middle. Uh, absolutely. Football. Every sport, got to be strong up the middle, Sam. <laughs> okay. Where does Omaha originate from? Mm. That originates actually from Eli Manning, not Peyton Manning. Really? And it came from that he uh, did so many things the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, all that all play and all that went on. Because in Gilbride's offense, he was really into having more three receivers go down the field. Their tight ends and running backs weren't a big part of their passing game. And so it was a lot of sort of seven-man blocking schemes with your tight end and, and, and running back staying in. And he had all these option routes going on down the field. So Eli had to, like... He wasn't like a get-the-ball-out guy, uh, uh, um, uh, Gilbride, Kevin Gilbride, the coordinator. He was like, hold on to the football and, and give your quarterback time and a ton of time in, in those seasons with a really good offense line, but also the tight running backs were like last in the league in, in combined catches. And so uh, Eli had to do a lot at the line, uh, and there was times where you look up the play clock and it's at three, and, and you're trying to set everything, and let, like we have, we have to snap the ball. So he came up with Omaha, Omaha for some reason, but in, in an uh, – um, Peyton actually copied him. They they talked about it one time, and Peyton goes, "Oh, because they didn't, they didn't have a a word like that." So then Peyton started using Omaha, hmm. Omaha, and became more infamous. Okay, infamous, so but Eli's one who actually started it. So when Peyton Manning is, and I was watching Peyton's places, uh, ESPN ran like twenty episodes of Peyton places. Yeah, I watched last a couple. It's great. And one of them was about Peyton Manning's dummy calls at the line of scrimmage. He would get up there and basically like. The, the receivers are on a need-to-know basis when it comes to, like, line calls and vice versa. And so I would just, like, randomly yell stuff to throw the defense off. What percentage of, of words and phrases and things that are being yelled at the line of scrimmage by the quarterback are just bluff terms to try and throw the defense off? Peyton Manning was the one who did that the most. It was, like, all misinformation, and a lot of it was just nothing. So... Um, you know, that you have a certain system, you usually have like a, a certain color or a certain thing that, uh, that sort of starts. It's almost like baseball, right? It's like when the, when the sign is on. So, uh, you that's know, what I was just going to say. This sounds like a third base coach who's really very much most of the movements are just to throw you off the trail. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he did. So, and then wow. when he actually was all to blame, um, it, the thing is it made the defense basically sort of not move. You know, you, you didn't know when the ball was going to snap, and he was up there talking, and, and you know, they sort of had to do basically one of two things. You couldn't run around and get opposition because then he'd catch you in another 
another one or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think he, other than him, though, most of the guys, there's not a lot of it. You know, his, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the West Coast offense, that's the whole point of it, is that the quarterback doesn't have to do a lot of those things, that they can go back and they can just play, and that the, the route concept should have answers within it to get the ball on time, and you shouldn't have to do all those things, should have an answer, uh, you know, within the route concept. Football. Sage. I feel like these trying times, boring times, trying times, call for recollections also of football stories you have that will take us back to a better time, 2009. <laughs> Tell You're me. a masochist, man. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to ask you. I'm, I'm going to ask you about a game that you won, but I want I want an explanation of why this was I didn't a win big it. deal. I was just on the team that won it. Uh, go ahead. Yes. All right. Well, you were on the team. I was in the press box, uh, but. Favre was mic'd up for a game against the Lions that you guys played in the Metrodome in 2009. Oh, and if man. And if you recall on the sideline, there was a play in which Favre suddenly, and it really was not that big of a deal to a fan, um, moved Tahi slightly. And he comes off, and Favre comes off the field, and Childress is like a little bit PO'd that Favre moved Tahi. Uh, and to me, it was a subtle shift type of thing. Do you recall that? And also, just in general, why would a coach care if the quarterback moves a guy slightly? I'm trying to understand. What, I don't remember that. What, what did it mean that he moved him? So Tahi like, shifted position. Tahi was in the backfield, and he just moved him a bit. He basically oh, just you. moved Tahi from fullback from like to his left, slightly to his right. It was a very, very small thing. But when yeah. Favre came off the field, the mic picked up Childress, and you could tell Favre shot back and was just being funny, but you could tell that Brad was annoyed. And I've always been curious why a coach would even be annoyed by that when, by the way, the play resulted in a touchdown. Um, I mean, there's a really good chance that uh, Childers had no idea what he was talking about. Football. <laughs> Fair enough. Like 90-10, I would say. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. Brett for sure knew. I was just... I didn't get why yeah, Brad. You know, would be Brett may upset. have done something that, like, maybe like I wouldn't have done, but actually probably helped the play. And they go, "Yeah, actually, that was a smart move. That why he did that or something." Either way, that was a touchdown. It shouldn't matter. Uh, that's you know, and uh, so yeah, Brad may not have known the advantage we actually may have gotten from Brett doing that. Sure. So Sage, I don't think we've ever asked you this question, but how would the 2009 season have played out if you were the starting quarterback instead of Brett Favre? That's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, we actually had, I felt like, a tough, pretty tough schedule that season because um, they were 10-6 the year before. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I, was, uh, I, I thought, you know, Tavares brought to base the 10-6, right, uh, the year before, and I thought I was as good, if not better. I thought I played better in all the preseason games. The I mean, Gus Farratt was Gus Farratt had a... A lot to do with that ten and six record in oh eight too, right? Didn't yeah, that, and, yeah, listen, I, and I played with Gus. I played with Gus, Gus. Um, just before that in Miami, and we were nine and seven. And it was mostly Gus as a starter throughout that season, except for maybe a game or two. So um, you know, I thought Gus was a pretty dang good quarterback, uh, and, and so I don't know. I, I thought that you know, probably I'll, I'll be a quarterback that, made, that brought the team to the playoffs, and uh, but you know what Favre did that year, I. Uh, he he did uh, he played unbelievable that season. I don't think I could have played that well. The offense what did not come natural to me. Bevel's offense it was much simpler um, than what I was 
they asked the quarterback to audible a lot. They asked the quarterback to see all these blitzes, and if you didn't see them, like, you know, he spent all his time trying to find the, all these blitzes, and, and they didn't do much play action uh, almost at all compared to when I was in Houston. We didn't do much uh, bootleg stuff. It was very traditional West Coast offense, and Favre had, you know, a, a greater knowledge of that. And, and uh, you know, I, I didn't think, for me, it was – um, creative enough for me to have success because I just came from Kyle Shanahan, which is you know we all know is pretty good about making you know pretty average quarterbacks into really really good quarterbacks. Oh, sorry, I did. I've got one Football. more thing. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. If there's time, I, I've got one more question about yeah, we something time. that was discussed extensively before. By, before you ask that question, though, we need yes. to. Hey, Becky, Becky, you want a tall one? You want a tall one? We'll take two. Thirty seconds we'll of baseball over ambience here. here, then Judd well, can wait, ask Wait, wait, just two. I want one. Yeah, I'll have one too. Yeah, Three, come on, four. four. Let's have four. Right. Yeah, yeah, Sage, yeah. Sage, you're paying. Yeah, he's the former pro athlete. You got that it. right. <laughs> you got millions in the bank. <laughs> keep it. No, you're good. Sage, favorite ballpark smell. <laughs> you're good. You're good. All right. What's that? Favorite ballpark smell. Victory. <laughs> wow. All right. Football. Wow. Here's my question. Wow. My question that... that <laughs> I have for you about the current day Vikings, Sage Rosenfels, is this one. So the the Vikings are obviously offensively, their offense is predicated on the belief that play action is incredibly important, right? And Dalvin Cook plays a big role in that. It's it's yes. So it, uh, absolutely. So here's here's what I want you to explain. Play action freezes the defense to also give you the ability to hit deep shots down the field of which Stefan Diggs was probably, I think, without a question, your biggest uh, downfield threat consistently if play action to Dalvin were to work. Who now becomes the top play action choice if Dalvin serves his role of freezing the defense because teams are afraid he's going to get the ball? Um, hopefully one of the two wide receivers they draft in the first four rounds that are both four three guys because they need somebody that can fly okay. and that can take the top off, as they say. Uh, uh, you know, somebody, somebody opposite Thielen, so Thielen can get all the underneath stuff. So they need one of these two guys. I believe, though, at least one, if not two, they need to work out uh, to be solid X wide receivers. Uh, at the minimum, just a threat uh, uh, for for everyone else underneath. It's, you know, Rudolph and, and Irv Smith. That is Sage Rosenfeld. Football. It's fun. Sage, thanks for coming to our they ballpark. Got, they got to get a wide. They got to get a wide receiver. I think I understand the the Diggs trade. And there's positive and negative. So that he's a great player. Mm-hmm. The things weren't working out, and they got really good compensation. They just need that compensation to work out. And it'd be nice if they get two starters with the with, with if not three with the trades uh, with the trade they made first to find Diggs. Well, Sage, enjoy the rest of your afternoon at the ballpark here. Thanks for the beer, Sage. Appreciate you buying us. All players. right, guys, drive home safely. Uh, oh, I Ubered here. Drive home safely or good. walk. No, I'm, I'm good. Or just walk. I'll set. You guys could all, you guys all walk home, actually. Probably, probably should. better for you. Get yeah. my thumb out. It's probably true, actually. A little cardio. Never hurt any of us. All right, bye, Sage. See you, fellas. Bye. All right, that's Sage Rosenfels, former Vikings quarterback and journeyman. By the way, guys, this is all very unprofessional behavior for the press box. Who's in the press box? <laughs> what, we're the, t- in the, the stands. The tall boys that Sage just bought us? Yeah. Oh, we're not in the press box, dude. We're in the stands. Us hollering for the beer guy from up here was frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> we're, in, we're in section 232 Rami, right? Rami, uh, my second year on the Twins beat was 2011 I leaned over the edge and grabbed a couple beers from the press box window a couple times right? by the way uh, yeah!
with my eighth good question of the year. I now take an eight to five lead over Judd Zolgad in the good question standings. Rami and Jonathan with just I got, three apiece you know, so far. We forgot to bring this up. I got a very good question on uh, Score North Live yesterday from Joe Nelson. Yeah. I was here for it. Yeah, he did. Okay, that's fair. Very good question. Fair. I asked him how the uh, COVID curve in Minnesota. I mean, it was audio, but okay. it was COVID from COVID curve to uh, here, in the United it. States. No, I don't have the. Okay, audio. that's what I was wondering. Oh, oh, Where's it's the from, audio? I it's that from was, Declan. I thought that was one but of the Ronnie things. Let's question. make sure we don't break protocol. We need to make sure that the audio is played for the audio. It's a transparent process. So okay. let's make sure that okay. we get Declan to cut but the But I can audio. confirm. I did hear it. Declan asked the question. No, Declan via, fed me the question. Via email. Rami yeah. read the teleprompter and oh, got wow. the very good so question. So you're just reading but good questions off the prompter. Maybe we should give Declan the point. No, it's the person who asks yeah, the Rami's question. Right. Declan gets and the by, assist. And Declan the, dropped the dime Declan on Declan wrote the song, and he should be getting some royalties And off by of the it. way, Sage gives out at least one good question, if not two, per appearance now. Yeah, well, go get them, boys. Sia wrote up. Chandelier, but the, Rihanna gets the credit for it, all right? That's how this thing works. Shh, hold on. Baseball ambience, please. What is that noise? <laughs> what that? I brought Stella. You didn't know? <laughs> yes. Sneak your dog into the ballpark day at Coors Field. Target Field. It's one of my favorite organ ditties right there. Yeah. Do, 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 do. It's a classic right there. Um, oh. Yeah. Adam's Family? Yeah. No, I don't think. No, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not Adam's Family. Uh, oh, that's Green, Green Acres. Acres. Green Acres, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Green Acres. Adam's family is in the mix still with the organs, for sure. Oh, that's great. Let's keep that going. We got another hour left on that video, right? Oh, we've got an hour and two minutes. Yeah, we've got just one. Well, it's funny because we literally have an hour and two minutes left (laughs) in the show. Mackie and Joe with Rami here. Baseball ambience, baseball meditation. Today was supposed to be Twins home opener. And damn it, it's still home opener day to us. When we come back... Rami wants the Vikings to kick the tires on who? We'll talk about it I'm going to get pulled over. We'll see. I'm getting pulled over. Listen, the hot take police are not as willing to pull people over during coronavirus periods. (laughs) They don't want to catch anything. I saw a guy get pulled over today on 394. I'm like, was that guy driving 150 miles an hour zigzagging? The state patrol officer wanted nothing to do with it, but felt like, all right. I got it. Maybe he just stopped when he was trying to merge onto the highway like I see people doing constantly. <laughs> we'll come back with more. Mackie and Jeb with Rami and baseball meditation. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together and hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open.